0: Welcome to Prog Rock Digital. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Prog Rock Digital. This is episode two of season four. Thank you very much for downloading and streaming. Thank you for visiting progrockdigital.com. And please keep those emails coming through now. Today, I'm chatting with Nick Van Dyke from the band Redemption. Redemption have just released I Am the Storm, released March 17th out through AFM Records. Nice chat with Nick, always good to chat with Nick. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Nick Van Dyke, welcome to the Prog Rock Digital Podcast. Or I should say, welcome back to the Prog Rock Digital Podcast. You've just released I Am The Storm, released March the 17th, out through AFM Records. Tell me about the album, man.
1: Our eighth record, our second with Tom England as our vocalist. Um, You know, these always seem to take a lot longer than we intend. But, you know, we uh, and a lot of people have asked, it's been four and a half years, well, we did have a live package that we released that took a long time to put together as we had an 11 camera shoot that we had to cut and all that stuff and then covid did hit also Tom's you know pretty busy with with Evergrey as well and we wanted to wait until we were all fresh and in the right mind to start writing and we started writing at the beginning of covid and got a got a lot done got so much done in fact at such a pace that I thought we were going to have two albums out or two albums worth of music and we got into that and we were, you know, we're used to doing, and we'll come back, I'm sure, to the covers that we've done. We're used to doing one cover per album. We, we, we got the two covers done before we were entirely done with the, all the material for the second record. And then we found ourselves getting into a, a spot where people were starting to get busy. And we didn't want to rush the second half of the second record. And we also didn't want to have ourselves with a bunch of music that we'd have to sit on for 12 or 18 months. So we made the decision, you know what, we got an album and a half let's stop let's release what we've got put out a bunch of bonus material so that's where we are that's why we've got two cover songs including one that's a bonus track and that's why we've got a couple of extra songs on the vinyl that we'll be releasing eventually digitally and it's you know it's about 90 minutes worth of music so hopefully people will find a lot of stuff to like there um the record had been done for a while and we were going to use jacob hansen who's a brilliant producer with whom we've worked in the past and you know the Jacob's in demand and he sort of overbooked himself and we're not an easy band to mix, uh, particularly because I'm old and my sonic sensibilities push up a little bit against that sort of modern European metal production. I like, for example, the the toms, I like the drums to sound very acoustic and organic and as opposed to being processed, which is and i'm not saying that in a negative way for that that sound that's what a lot of music sounds like and a lot of people enjoy that i'm just old and i've got a different frame of reference so it takes a while to mix us we ran out of time with jacob before you know it six or eight months go by and he's like guys i'm just not gonna have time to do this anytime soon so we had to pull up stakes we gave it to uh simone who has been a, a collaborator and a guest guitar player for some time with us And who has in the last few years become quite a remarkable producer in his own right and he did i think a phenomenal job with the mix and so now we've got an album that sounds great that has a lot of music that we're very proud of and that reflects the compositional contributions of vikram shankar who in addition to being an amazing performer on keyboards is a composer and an arranger and a producer himself Uh, so very proud of what we've done i think it's interesting i think it shows musical growth by virtue of Vikram's involvement and the continued working with Tom and getting to a a level of increasing comfort with fitting his vocal sensibilities into our music. And I couldn't be more pleased with what we got and, and the
0: reception has been great. So what made you choose I Am The Storm as an album title?
1: You know, it's funny, I'm a wine collector and there's a particular iconoclastic winemaker in the States here who also does some work in Australia, actually uh with a winery called hundred acre. He makes a really nice uh Syrah's out of out of Barossa Valley. Anyhow, he uh he bottled a particularly special bottling and in the f- etched on the glass of that was a a line that is all over the place on the internet if you look it up. And it says, uh the devil said to the warrior, you will not survive the storm. The warrior whispered back, I am the storm. And I thought that was a really cool statement of agency and empowerment and the ability to play a role in writing your life story you're not the only author of it but you don't just have to sit back and let things happen to you and i thought that was suitably metal if you will so i had that tucked away and that's sort of you know this is not a concept album but there is a recurrent theme in a lot of our work which is that life knocks you down and you're not defined by getting knocked down you're defined by how you choose to get back up and uh am the storm is a great Summation of that in four
0: words. Mm. Well, you, you touched on this earlier, and that is, I guess, what stands out for me and from the get go is the production, the drum sound, the mix it seems far more prevalent on this album. Now, was that, I guess, a preconceived thing, or is it, uh, or did it just happen organically? balls you well, were recording you know, I've, I've had a preconceived sound in my head for 20 years and we've never been able to
1: quite crack it mm. we are a really and people have gotten close when we've and i don't think any of our record where well, there there's one that i'm not thrilled with but from a production standpoint but most of them sound good i think mm. this in fact most of them sound quite good i think this one sounds great i think it's the closest it's ever been to what i hear in my head and that's a you know we are a as i said a couple of times hard to mix we have you know it's easy to mix a band with two guitars playing the same thing a bass that's following the guitar line drums and a little bit of keyboards uh not to say that it's easy music uh or or to demean it in any way but that's there are people that know how to mix that very very well and to do it quickly we have a six string bass that is doing its own thing and stepping on the kick drum frequencies on the low end and the guitar on the high end we have Mm -hmm multiple guitars doing multiple parts often down tuned or in a seven string and that's stepping on the tie end of the bass we've got very busy drums we've got keyboards that add atmosphere but are also at a a cinematic quality and have a lot of leads involved and we've got multi-layered vocals sometimes three or four vocal parts that are that are not just a harmony but bumping into each other so it's really hard to mix and i think simone has just sort of cracked it better than anybody has. There's a remarkable, you know, when I think of what I want in a mix, I want it to sound warm and and organic sounding rather than clinical and and mechanical, but I want the instruments to have separation so you can hear everything that's going on. Um, That's a hard balance to get. I want it to be heavy, but also melodic. And so you hear the keyboards and you do more than just feel the bass you can identify when the bass is actually doing something and Chris is i think one of the most underrated drummers in music and it's because you can't hear half of what he's doing most of the time so i really am always pressing for clarity on the drums and i think you know nothing's ever perfect and that's a road not a destination and frankly there are some people i've heard some people think the album's too heavy or too guitar forward i think it's great and crisp and clear uh, and and represents better than anything we've done. The sound I hear in my head when I'm writing. Mm.
0: Well, if it's any consolation, I I think it's perfect, man. So
1: awesome. uh, nothing's perfect, uh, yeah. but I'm glad you like it.
0: Well, in my eyes, anyway, man. So so you've moved forward with uh, as you've mentioned, Thomas. It's obviously his third album, well, second uh, studio album with Redemption. Now, uh, vocally, he and Ray are, are different, obviously. But you know what, man, phrasing and also the vocal approach on albums, on redemption albums are somewhat, well, how can I put it? They're not dissimilar, having said that, even though they're different, right? And let's face it, when a new singer comes into a band, they tend to sometimes right. unfortunately change the direction of the band. But this doesn't seem to have happened with redemption and with Tom coming into the band.
1: I think it's it's a function of choice and Tom's talent and other specific steps we've taken to preserve a unique or reasonably unique identity. So by choice, I mean, I picked Tom because I've known him forever, because he's remarkably talented, but also because he's sorry, we're in the one part of Los Angeles that is still policed here. That siren will stop in a second. Okay. Um, I I wanted somebody that had a emotional quality to their voice there are great operatic singers there are great singers that have have got grit to their voice more important than I I I wanted somebody with a strong melodic sensibility but that also would really invest themselves emotionally in the lyrics because that's part of what really worked with Ray and so there is a similarity in the in in that type of delivery and while Tom's voice obviously sounds different than Ray's the range is not dissimilar Tom there are some things that Ray does that are unique to Ray there are some things that Tom does that are unique to Tom and frankly Tom Tom gives us an ability to growl not in the sort of way but in a snarling you know do-esque sort of way that was not that's not really what you know Ray that's not what Ray's about so it gives us a little bit more uh one more color in the palette to paint with but really I picked him because I knew he'd do a great job is he can sing anything so the range is is not dissimilar and then the last thing which was very important to Tom was that I continue to write the melodies for two reasons the first is uh we don't I mean we're going to sound like Evergrey because we have an iconic vocalist who sings in Evergrey and and that's what he's known for um in the same way that we sounded a bit like Faith's warning when Ray was our vocalist so Tom coming in said, I don't want to play guitar, I don't want to write the music, I don't want to write the melodies, because we wanted to retain the redemption character, not that Tom doesn't have a say in all of that, and not that he doesn't change vocal lines to suit his vocal, and he chooses how to deliver those, and we'll add harmonies, and we'll change the arrangement a bit, but it fundamentally comes from my melodic sensibility, and and that's done by design. The the other thing is that Tom wants to continue to grow as a musician and you do that by putting yourself out of your comfort zone and if Tom just sang melodies that came to him naturally like he writes for Evergrey it wouldn't help him grow as a musician I have a you know we're, we're similar in that we're both very melodically inclined but I hear melodies that are unique to me in the same way that you would when composing but hear them unique to you and since I don't think exactly the way Tom does, whether it's where he comes in or where a phrase goes or how words are fit to a melody line, that enables him to push himself and continue to grow as a musician, which I think is something that he very much wants mm, to do. Mm.
0: And as you said, I mean, you've kept it in line with the Redemption Foundation, which is which is great. Now, the, the album is 10 tracks. My favourite by far is uh, the emotional depiction of light. And look, it, for me, it's got a commercial happy musical connotation to it maybe even religious feel to it especially when we get into the chorus
1: well you, you got to promise me we can go over here so i can tell you the full story of the of that song um I, I think there is there's definitely an uplifting element to it as i try to do with all of our music i think you know our our one of the ways to define our lyrics at least is that we don't shy away. we recognize that life is complex and has a darkness and a challenge and struggle and pain and fright and all those things but it also has hope and love and optimism and wonder and beauty and empowerment and all those things so the dark and light of things and the reality of how complex that is we try to reflect both musically even the in the juxtaposition between heavy music and strong melody and then also lyrically, because I don't want to be serving up pablum and just pretending that everything is all right in the world and that nobody should ever feel bad. But I also I, I want to acknowledge the struggle while leaving people with a sense of empowerment and optimism. And I think this is certainly an empowering and op- optimistic song, not necessarily spiritual or or religious in intent. Although I I personally am, am a religious person, but I don't want to be perceived as a religious band. Um, but the the song came from two very different and potentially humorous sources, one of them anyhow. The name came from, I was in my day job, I was in Paris with a colleague who uh, had studied art history, and we had a, had a few hours free one day, we went to the Musée d'Orsay, which is the Impressionist Museum in Paris, and I have not studied art history, I know, I think Renoir is a genius, so I can look at this stuff, and then we leave, and I can ask my buddy, how is Impressionism defined relative to what came before and what came after? And he said, Impressionism is about the emotional depiction of light. And I thought, what a cool turn of phrase. So I tucked that in my head, had no idea what I was going to write about, but I thought that would be a cool, whether it's an album name or a song name. Fast forward a couple of years, probably, and I'm watching a show which may be popular down under called BoJack Horseman, which is an animated show about a it's going to sound insane it's adult humor uh animated show about a half man half horse who is a washed up 80s sitcom star voiced by Will Arnett and he's trying to you know trying to straighten his life out he's got all these failed relationships and he's a drug addict and an alcoholic and he's a mess as a as a I can't say human being he's a mess as a half man half horse but it's really really funny so this is about his career comeback has a terrible relationship with his mother and in one episode, his mother has died and he's eulogizing her. So the whole thing is just him talking at his mother's funeral. And her last words are, I see you. And he says, I don't know, does that mean she sees through me? You're this horrible person and you've, you've ruined these people's lives and you've made a mess of everything and you can't be trusted and you have no integrity and blah, 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 and everything you do is a facade. Or does it mean I see you, I recognize you? as an individual and as your own person and i give you that dignity or does it just mean i see you intensive care unit because that's where my mother was so um but i thought that notion of seeing someone and recognizing uh their dignity as an individual was also powerful so i put those two into the blender along with a dose of the the ease with which people uh choose digital interaction over real interaction and the walls that that creates and presto change you get uh you get what we have there which i think is is pretty special i will say in hindsight a better articulation of that last notion roger waters gave a quote recently where he said his entire body of work lyrically is around the idea of walking down the street and encountering a stranger and recognizing your humanity in that person and hoping that they also recognize their humanity in you, which is a much more eloquent way of phrasing what I tried to phrase. But it doesn't have the advantage of having the funny animated horse story. Right. Yes. Yes. So in other words, your heartbeat
0: beats the same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had you on on the show. And as I stated earlier, you were my very first guest on the podcast. This was back in 2020. Now, it seems to be a pivotal part of your catalogue, releasing a live <laughs> album. All right. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: We've done, we have done three, although, you know, we have been around for for almost 20 years, which is astonishing. I mean, the, the reality is we're not a huge band. Um, when we do have the opportunity to play out, particularly in the States, it's not to large audiences. With the exception of this Prague Power event, which is a pretty special opportunity for any bands our size, I mean, many great bands play there, very few would be able to enjoy headlining in front of twelve or 1,300 people uh, in the States, um, ourselves included. So it's a great opportunity, and I knew by virtue of the fact that we had a new album that we were eager to promote. I think people would be interested in having Tom perform. And we had the opportunity to surprise people with Ray showing up to do a song, which I think was important as a statement of the band, everybody getting along and, and the mutual respect there. And also I had the opportunity to bring Chris Poland out to play a Megadeth song and also really to elevate the, the song uh, Alive in Color, which I so I knew there was gonna be a lot of special stuff. And I thought, you know, it's a great opportunity. Let's capture it and see what comes of it. And so that was
0: that. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we did. What's it like working with Vikram? He's a very well-spoken individual, elegantly gets his point across in a succinct manner, amazing keyboardist, pianist. I had him on the podcast when he was promoting the Nectar album. How does it feel having a fan as a member of the band? I don't even
1: think of him that way. I, I, I'm grateful that he at least appreciates some of our music. I mean, he's a fan of Evergreen um but uh look I I am it's flattered anytime anybody likes our music I'm doubly flattered when somebody who's an accomplished musician likes what we're doing Vikram is just a a remarkable human being he's a lovely lovely person he's brilliant Mm. he's uh, literally a savant musically I mean the stuff that he does Mm. like he he's gonna come out here uh next week actually for us to work on a video and uh, you know, he sits down and my daughter says, can you play Bohemian Rhapsody? And he'll do it. And then she'll be like, can you play it in A flat? And he'll think for a second and just do it perfectly. Just, try, I mean, it's like having Mozart hanging around doing parlor tricks for you. It's crazy. Um, but apart from just performing, <laughs> he's a brilliant composer, a brilliant arranger. He's got a, a, a tremendous musical sensibilities and musical knowledge and a knowledge of mm-hmm. theory that I don't possess. And I could come to him in our writing with the first half of the song action at a distance and the second half of the song action at a distance. And it's in a different key, a different time signature, a different tempo. And if I spent three weeks online reading up on theory, I can understand the stuff. I have enough musical training to do that. He went to school for it. So I can say, get me from point A to point B. And he comes back two days later with this beautiful symphonic section that that, you know, modulates and, and delivers exactly that. He's just a, I think he's one of the great musicians in the world and a great friend and a great person, and I'm super thankful for him
0: in all those capacities. So now tell me about the cover songs on the album. Why those songs? So, again, I'll, I'll frame
1: it by saying we were going to do one for each of two records, and we we have always, you know, always done one cover per album because i think a personally i think it's fun um but i think it's also neat to take something you know like if i if you held a gun to my head and said what's your absolute favorite song in the world i'd probably pick hallowed be thy name by iron maiden nobody needs another version of hallowed be thy name by iron maiden it's already done perfectly you're not going to do anything to it by modernizing the guitars by a little bit right but there's a lot of amazing songwriting in the 70s and 80s that was not done in a very metal style and you can take those songs and do justice to the creative spark and the and the structure and the arrangement and the melody and the writing of the song but recast it in a very different light and i'll go back to iron maiden i remember i was probably 14 i bought the peace of mind picture disc and it had a cover of cross-eyed Mary. I didn't even know what a cover song was when I was 14, and I certainly didn't know who Jethro Tull was. But I listened to that, and I thought, oh, cool song. And then I realized it was a cover, and I got the original. And at first, I'm like, there's a flute player. What do I need this for? But over the years, as I matured, I came to really appreciate that band and was introduced to a lot of great new music that way. And also saw how you can take that songwriting spark and repurpose it while doing service to, to what made it special in the first place. So that's what we tried to do um and I think we've been successful uh at it sometimes more than others but most of the time we're very happy with the covers that we've done so we knew we wanted to do Red Rain because Tom sounds like Peter Gabriel likes Peter Gabriel Chris Poland is like geez this guy sounds like Peter Gabriel you got to do a Peter Gabriel song and we both like Red Rain I'd liked it for a long time and the live version of it doesn't really sound like the the top 40 version of it it's a six minute long drum solo and we've got a great drummer who I'm eager to show off. And he always plays with such restraint. I told him, we're going to do this the live way and follow Manu Kache. And he plays over everything. He plays over every vocal line. And I want you to do the same thing. And he didn't quite step on things as much as uh, as, as he might have, but because it's very, very tasteful. But there's a great showcase for him. And then the Genesis song was something that we had tried several years ago and it just didn't click for whatever reason the arrangements or the way the drums came together or something just it didn't have the magic but I always liked that song this is a you know it's a throwback to a time when you could write a song that was popular that's not terribly accessible I mean for the musicians out there turn it on again the verse is in 13 four which is not exactly danceable and there's no chorus until you get to the very end so it's hardly the type of arrangement that you would expect from from pop music today I mean today you have people that are immensely talented like a Lady Gaga who if she's performing with a piano she's got one of the greatest voices in the world she's an incredible musician she writes her own music she performs it well she sings with tremendous emotion and power and the arrangements are flowing and and organic by the time that gets pushed through the media machine it is reduced to this soulless Stuff that's really beneath the level of talent that she's capable of, of rendering it used to be when you wrote stuff like turn it on again it made it to the radio and now it, it doesn't so i like the idea of calling back to these times when great songs were great songs we put the music down it worked we gave it to tom who i think does these covers mostly to appease me but he came back with it and it's like jesus actually turned out pretty awesome and we listened to the vocals and are like this is special so we liked it so much it sort of bumped red rain into the bonus track
0: position but that's that's how we came upon those two things. Now, in the interest of time, and in closing, I guess now that we're hopefully out of, I guess, the other end of COVID, um, is there a possibility for live gigs? I asked you this last time, and obviously, timing-wise, it wasn't the best timing. Yeah. But is there something now on the on the cards for for some live shows?
1: Nothing, nothing concrete. There, there's a profound desire on everybody's part to get out and play. We have a couple of things we're dealing with the first is we're not a we're not a huge band uh that means oftentimes we'll need to look for an opening spot unless we go to europe i think we get a headline europe which i'll get to in a minute it's really expensive to bring people into the us even to play one show you got to get a visa and you wind up dropping 10 or 12 grand just to get our two european people before they can move or even really rehearse Um, that makes it very tough to do something stateside it'd be cheaper frankly to get the four US members of the band to Europe and the way you do that is usually by booking one or two of the big festivals which pay well enough where it can justify going over there and all the time that goes into rehearsing a set and then we can play live dates in between um and once we, you know once we're rehearsed and up and ready then we could maybe I'd love to come down to Australia play there I'd love to play in Asia um and so it, it really hinges on Hey, we also got to be mindful that, you know, Tom's got Evergrey and Simone's got a bunch of stuff going on and i got a pretty busy day job. So between schedules and finding the festivals to make it work financially, it can be challenging,
0: but it's something we definitely want to do. And I look forward to being able to do it. Thank you very much for coming back on, on the prog rock digital podcast. The album's out. I am the storm out through AFM records. Nick, any final words before we speak again?
1: uh i just as before i want to thank you and your listeners um you know, every every time we connect with a fan every time we hear from somebody that cares about our music it it gives us energy and enthusiasm to keep doing what we do and we really appreciate the interest and support nick van dyke thank you very much hey nick great to be with you and i know you're talking to a buddy of mine in a little bit he might have something interesting to talk to you about